What there. should I build? Uh, anything you want. And it doesn't have to be anything. I'm just going to build so, a tower. So one of the things that I like about Lego mm-hmm. is that I I say it's it's uh, intimidation factor is low. It's very so true. If, so if you're going to go painting and you you know you go and you buy your five dollar canvas and you got your paint brushes and you have the paint and all the rest mm-hmm. and you screw up, like that's intimidating. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, shoot. Or, or you get the new journal. You're like, this is it. This journal's going to be when I write my masterpiece. My and I start life, yeah. writing my masterpiece. <laughs> and then you end up writing, you know, and then a week later you're writing your laundry list in there. And you're, you know, writing notes to people. And you're ripping them out of the book. And the book looks like junk. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, I totally ruined that book. Yeah. With Lego, there's no risk. You build... You don't like it, you take it apart. You screw up, you take it apart. You mm-hmm. keep going. It's kind um, of nice sometimes to do something with your hands, too, while you're true. having a conversation with somebody. Have you seen those, like, fidget cubes? Yeah. Yeah? What do you think about those? Um, it's not the same, but I feel like no. it's... That was Grace Stump-Morlock, a Lego artist living in Kitchener. I met up with Grace earlier in October to talk about how she's used Lego as a therapy tool. The Kitchener resident has struggled with depression, anxiety, self-harm, and mental illness all her life. In recent years, however, she has found an unconventional expressive outlet and therapy tool, Lego. Make sure to pick up our November issue to read all about Grace's experiences with Lego. And in case you were wondering, I'm Beth Bowles, and this is TCE Radio. Now let's get back to Grace. I started to struggle myself with mental illness um, more acutely. Um, it comes, it comes and goes. And I hit this most recent bad patch, and I realized that Lego was was not just a an add-on. It could be the therapy itself. So when I was having a really rough day, I would sort Lego and I'd look for certain pieces or I'd build a set. I I would look up the instructions online and I'd build something. Or I would, um, I found that it it could calm me when I was frantic or just totally, um, just anxiety ridden. I found that it was, it had a sen- sensational component, so the senses, I could touch it, I could hear it, um, I could even smell it, and that helped ground me in reality, pull me out of my head. Um, it's hard to be very self-reflective in a negative way when you're building something. Um, it pulls you out in a way that watching TV or playing a video game doesn't necessarily you're, you're actually constructing something. Yeah. Um, and and so I started to realize that Lego itself was my therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of my time in the psych ward and, and wished that I'd had Lego as a tool then. But I did explore... Grace's Lego art is like nothing I've ever seen before. She's taken a toy that is traditionally associated with childhood and is using it to connect with people. 
She's built pieces that critique social class, race, self-harm, and mental illness. Through her Facebook group called Lego Save My Life, Grace has met other adult fans of Lego who she's built a supportive community with, a community she otherwise didn't have. I realized that I had sort of made connections that didn't hold water. Mm-hmm. In the first year afterwards, um, my parents and I have a very difficult relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, my dad messaged me and said, you know, like, he gave me this metaphor of a $20 friend. Mm-hmm. He said, if you, if you need 20 bucks... Which of your friends would actually give it to you? Mm-hmm. You know, like if you needed 20 bucks for groceries or to get a cab or whatever, who would actually cough that money up? Mm-hmm. And who would just say, oh, shoot, sorry, you know, I don't, I can't, or whatever. And I, I evaluated at that point in my life and I went, I don't have any. <laughs> and I realized that no one in my life was willing to support me to put their feet where their mouth was. Which is so interesting based on the story that you just told me about yeah. being a brick fed. And so, and so I, I, I think part of that had been that I hadn't given people the whole opportunity, mm-hmm. the chance to connect. Mm-hmm. And I think in society we naturally do that. We put on the pretty face. Um, we sh- tell people what's appropriate. How are you doing? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I built a piece that literally says that. If you look at it one direction, it's a, it says, fine, I'm fine. If you look at it the other direction, it says, help me. Because when I talk to my friends and people I know who have met, struggled with mental illness or struggled with whatever, and I say, how are you doing? They always say, fine. Everyone says, fine. And, and so I go, keep asking you. I'll ask you 17 times if you want. But I need to know how you're actually doing. Like, this isn't a polite conversation. I'm not your grandma. I actually want to know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely... In my five years of reporting on the Waterloo region, Grace's story will definitely stick with me. It's a true story of resilience and strength, and she's also one of the funniest people I've ever met. Make sure to grab the November issue of TCE to read Grace's story in full. You only have until December 5th until the November issue is replaced with our December issue. Now it's time to switch gears. Care, if you had to pick your favorite TV show of all times, what would it be? Oh man, that's a hard one. But I'd probably have to say Friends. Oh, good answer. Did you hear about the Community Editions event next Thursday on December 7th? I think you'd really like it. No, what is it? We're doing a Friends trivia night at Chainsaw. So if you love Friends, you should come out to the trivia night. It's only $3 to get in. When is it again? It's next Thursday, December 7th at Chainsaw. Amazing. I'll see you there. Hello, everybody. I'm Beth Bowles, the host of TC Radio and the editor-in-chief of the Community Edition. Um, And thank you for listening to TCE Radio, our podcast. Um, So I'm here today with Matt Smith, one of our photographers, and Kara Lucas, our ad manager and web director for TC. 
Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about a story that was in our November issue, uh, which was a comprehensive guide to record stores in KW that was written by our very own Matt Smith. So Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you wanted to write the story and how you went about writing that story? Well, first of all, let's, let me clear something up. You said I was a self-proclaimed expert, and I am not. <laughs> I've only been uh, kind of collecting records for about a year. Um, but it's been like really interesting to, to go to all the different shops and kind of see which one has different vibes and sells different things. Um, and that's kind of what I just wanted to write it and kind of give them a shot in a spotlight, like where can you buy vinyl if you don't know? Because I didn't, I didn't know you could get it at like, um, at like uh, antique markets in St. Jacobs and in Cambridge, um, but you can get it there, and you can get it at thrift stores, and you can get it at um, Natural Sound, and you can get it at the KW Bookstore, and all these other independent thrift, uh, or sorry, uh, record shops. But I just wanted to kind of shine a spotlight on them and give people a place to start if they're new to collecting vinyl like I was. It's only been about a year, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Karen? Uh, I've been collecting vinyl since, well, on my own since 2005. Um, that was actually before I owned a record player with the intention of one day owning a record player. That's adorable. <laughs> uh, I really, I loved the album art. I think that most of us can agree there's mm -hmm. something to be said about having a large poster cover um, being able to rip the liner notes out and follow along, um, just having that all-encompassing, tangible feeling of, of holding your music, and, and that was something that I was drawn to. Um, but I did start listening to it when I was young, and I always say like one of the first albums I ever purchased was Carole King's Tapestry album. Mm -hmm. And that's an album that my mom got me into when I was young. Um, what's interesting is since then, a best friend of mine, uh, she was over at my house a couple years ago, she brought over her vinyl, and we both acknowledged that Tapestry was printed on this really thick cardstock, and with that comes this sort of musty smell. Um, and so when you smell it, it, for us, reminds us of our mothers, because it was their <laughs> favorite, it was their favorite album. Um, and so, you know, I think it's Eric Church that says there's this idea of, of memories and melodies and how that blends together to give you this nostalgic feeling mm -hmm. and I think that for me that's what records have become is, is nostalgia mm -hmm. um, and, and, and sharing that experience with friends sharing that experience with other music lovers um, really enjoying the whole listening experience in a different way so yeah Matt do you remember the first record that you got it well that's the thing I, I didn't have a record player either when I first bought some like I bought a couple albums. I was like, oh, these these look cool on the wall. Like I would just take them out of the sleeve and put put the blank like just the disc on the wall. But I never thought about playing them until I I actually won a record player in a like a thrift store auction, and I didn't have any speakers or anything. I just had the record player, so I figured, well, I might as well buy some records and try it out and see if I can find some speakers somewhere. And yeah, I bought. I went to Worth a Second Look and bought uh, Electric Light Orchestra's Discovery. And I was just like, oh, I, I like a few of the songs on here. I'll just pick it up. And like you, can, like you said, like you pick it up and you, it's got the gatefold. You open it up and the art is just awesome. Like the ELO logo is really colorful. And uh, it's just, it's a, a different experience. Like I've never, I've never even bought a CD before. So mm. it's like, it's like, oh, here's like a little poster I'm almost holding. And then I take it out and you look at the disc and you're, it's just totally different than what I was used to as just downloading music, going on good old LimeWire days and, and just getting it off the internet, and yeah, I just, just, I just really into it. Is like the first one I bought. I was like, okay, I want to like 
keep 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 looking through thr- thrift stores, cheap stuff, and just like let me find some new mm-hmm. new albums I've never heard of or anything. I think that's an interesting point because there's it's almost like winning the lottery. You know, you're rummaging through, oh. and there's so many different genres and so many different albums and releases and editions. And you know, every once in a while, you find a gem, something that you've been looking for forever, maybe something you didn't even know existed on vinyl. And you feel like you've won, you know? There's this sense of satisfaction of, of coming home and being able to add that to your collection. Um, I think that that's part of the fun of the experience of being in a record shop, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get into vinyl until I started working at HMV, which was like four years ago before HMV sadly crashed and burned. Uh, still a hard topic for me to talk about. Um, <laughs> but I remember like when I started working there, we had a really small vinyl section, and I kind of thought it was a joke. Like I didn't think people were actually paying money um, to buy this, and if they were paying money, I thought that it was going to be an older demographic of people that were trying to like relive their youth. Um, but I actually had a co-worker that I worked with at HMV when I first started there, Um and he was younger than me, probably like two years younger than me, and we became really good friends. And I remember just going to his house after a shift, and we would just like lie on the floor in his bedroom that was like totally psychedelic, and he had like Christmas lights up in his room, and we would just listen to records. And it was like, uh, it was a goal for him to learn how to skip the tracks on a record without like having it on point, like skipping the tracks. And he would get so excited when he did. Um, And so for me, that was really getting into it was like learning more about that, like there is a demographic of younger people that are getting into vinyl, which is super interesting, um, considering that a lot of people think that younger people are just stealing their music all the time and like are just listening to it on their phones. But there, from working in music retail, there is a demographic of younger people that are buying, buying vinyl and that do want that actual tangible record to listen to. The year that they first released a record player um, that had the the ability to record into MP3 form, mm, yeah, mm. Uh, I picked up that record player, and so did my uncle for the same holiday season. We both we were gifted it, um, and it was interesting because he's in his sixties, and he's always had this close attachment to vinyl. He wanted to turn all of it into MP3s, and once he had done that, momentarily he thought, I don't even need all of these records that are just taking up space in my garage and in my basement and I just just get rid of all of it. Um, whereas I never even bothered to figure out how to turn it into an MP3. To mm-hmm. me, that wasn't the purpose of having a record player. Yeah. It was a feature that I just, it was irrelevant to me. Um, so I think it's interesting that, you know, the younger demographic seems to have more of a connection to it in a way, mm-hmm. um, whereas the older demographic is excited about this new technology that, you know, they no longer need to have the tangible form in their hands. Um, I should add, though, that a year later, my uncle decided he actually wanted to keep all of his records because <laughs> he was listening to the MP3s and it was the scratches and the pops and he realized, you know, he had put his unique stamp on each of those records yeah. over the course of his listening experience. And so there was something special and magical about that. Um, and that's even outside the fact that records really, they are just better quality. There's more dynamics. They really are mastered better. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you put something into an MP3, you know, you are losing a chunk of the information in that in that sound mm-hmm. by compressing it. So I think he, he noticed that, right? Things sounded different. And I, I found that interesting as well. But. Mm-hmm. A big thing that I saw, too, working in music retail, so after um, HMV went bankrupt, I ended up um, helping open the Sunrise Record in Fairview Park Mall, and I worked there for a couple months, um, 
and something that I saw when we were selling records there was the the older demographic. So the demographic that grew up listening to vinyl, vinyl being the only way to consume your music. Um, a lot of them would come in and be like, oh my goodness, like I had this record um, and I sold it for 50 cents at a garage sale and now like, we're selling it at Sunrise Records for $39.99. Um, so what do you guys think about the price of vinyl right now? Well, I think the price of new vinyl is... I mean, if you adjust it for inflation, it's probably not that bad, but it seems kind of um, like a bit of a... Like you're getting gouged when you go and pay like 40 bucks for like for an album with, like, 15 songs, maybe. Mm-hmm. It seems like a little bit, not always, but, like, some albums seem a little bit higher priced than I would like to pay, or I feel like most people would like to pay, or the old-timers are used to paying. They used mm-hmm. to, you know, back in the day, you could probably pick them up for 10 bucks, so you could use album or something like that. But, I mean, the, the used market is where is what I would like. I like for myself. I don't like to buy a lot of new stuff because I feel like you can get original pressings and like, you can get the old posters and everything and the and you kind of get a little a little bit of wear on the cover and a little bit of you know a couple of pops here and there I think that's okay and you, you pay a little, like a little bit less for it which is okay mm-hmm. um, for me I think in this world where digital has really taken over um, and you know we're, we're used to Spotify and and mp3s and streaming on YouTube even you know we've we've become less connected to listening to an album front to back Um for me, if someone creates an album that I can't get enough of and something that I want to listen to in its entirety, the way it was intended to sound, um, then that's that's something that excites me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind paying a little bit extra to have that experience. And if I'm going to do it, for me, my preference is, is through vinyl. Um, and again, it's it's the whole experience of having you know, the liner notes and, and the actual artwork of the album, all of that. Um, being able to even like geek out and look through it and see who produced it, who wrote it, um, what other bands contributed to the recording. But I mean, I, I agree with Matt. I do think that outside of that album experience, you know, you really have to be selective because it mm. is it is expensive. Um, and it's always great to jump online and, and see what it's actually worth because there are some some places that will just gouge to the high amounts and and that's you know you have to be careful of that um at the same time I really love our local record stores and so I try to purchase them there I'd much rather my money be going to local businesses here who are doing a fantastic job um and really have much better selection uh than to to throw my money out there online and and even with Black Friday being you know we're recording this on Black Friday um and on record store day I mean there's a lot of deals out there, but where is that money going? And I'd rather just support local record stores. Mm-hmm. Especially with the construction going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you guys remember what was the last record that you bought? The last one I bought? Yeah, the like, most recent I vinyl like purchase. Five, like two days ago. Okay, well, <laughs> Matt, come on. Um, I got a like a Canada-US special Elvis release that's kind of like a compilation from nice. 1973. I was like two bucks. They were all two bucks, I guess. It was a thrift okay. store. Uh, John Mellencamp, uh, I forget what the name of it is. Um, Peggy Lee, uh, is, that all, is that all there is? Just going way back. Uh, Ink Spots, Live in Las Vegas. It's another old one. And then a band from Halifax, Nova Scotia, called Oakley. So I guess a hard rock band. That was their okay. only album they ever did, but 
I guess they toured with a lot of the bigger names back in the day. But uh, that's cool. I love that you yeah. bought a Elvis Presley record. My dad buys me an Elvis Presley record every year for Christmas. Oh. It's like our <laughs> little thing. Yeah, it's super cute. We're adorable. Again, that nostalgia, right? Yeah. <laughs> melody and the memories. Yeah. And, for those yeah. of you that don't know, my dad is a former Elvis impersonator. Just little what? little tidbit of information about me. <laughs> Care? Do you remember what the last record was that you bought? We weren't supposed to talk about this, Beth, but... Uh. I know, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> but it's too great of a story. It's too good of a story, because I was there with her when she bought it. So Beth and I recently visited the lovely folks at Orange Monkey. Um, that's probably the store that I have, you know, my heart is in Orange Monkey, because it's the first store that I ever started shopping in. Mm-hmm. Orange Monkey is not sponsoring this podcast, no, just so everybody knows. <laughs> Um, and, and so we were there a couple weeks ago, and behind the counter, I saw what I would consider to be, like, my be-all, end-all, like, the, the record I've wanted for years, um, and it was Pearl Jam's Avocado album, and it was an original pressing, still sealed, which is very difficult to find, and so I, I bought it. Um, and I'm very pleased with my purchase, but it is the most I've ever spent on a record, and I don't want to reveal how much it is in case my mother's listening to this, because (laughs) she would be very unhappy with me. I don't know if I was the best person to be with you in that moment, because, so Kara loves Pearl Jam more than anybody I've ever met in my whole entire life, and it's probably one of the reasons why we became such good friends so quickly, is because, um... I, as much as Pearl Jam isn't one of my favorite bands, I feel the way about the Red Hot Chili Peppers that Care feels about Pearl Jam. So just to meet somebody else that's like so obsessed with one band is why Care and I get along so well. But we're in Orange Monkey and she just sees it and it was like a kid on Christmas morning. Like she was so excited and she's like, Beth, should I get it? Should I get it? And I was like, you have to buy this. If you don't buy it, I'm going to judge you for not buying it. And so maybe I enabled you just a little bit. I don't know, but... I was really grateful that you enabled me. (laughs) At that point, even they were trying to talk me out of getting it. Yeah. Um, But honestly, I don't regret it. It was one of those, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the lottery find, the jackpot. Mm -hmm. Well, and you got it so much cheaper than it was online, too, right? Yeah. That's worth noting as well. Yeah. If you look online, too, you don't always know where it's coming from, how it's going to be packaged, Mm -hmm. how many times it's been listened to. Um, so it is a bit of a gamble sometimes to purchase something as high as that price was, um, you know, not knowing what condition it's going to come in. So to see it sealed and also, again, to be able to support local record shops here in town mm-hmm. um, in that purchase, you know, that's something I'm never going to forget. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was really I was grateful that you encouraged me to do it, Beth, because it is my fave. Yeah. Um, I, I also own Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, and it's an original pressing, which is, I was going to say, it's an interesting thing, because at the time that Jagged Little Pill came out, even as large as that release was, I mean, she shattered records for female artists all over the world, mm-hmm. um, there was minimal vinyl. That was a time, that dark time, where <laughs> vinyl was not relevant in our lives anymore, yeah. and so it was a real gamble to press it, and there's not a lot of of issues or pressings out there um Mm -hmm. and that one came in from europe and i love it (laughs) um but you do you do notice a difference in sound when you purchase an original release from that time period Mm -hmm. um i've listened to jagged little pill every day since i was nine and the first time i listened to it on vinyl 
I noticed layers in the recording that I hadn't heard before. Um, mm-hmm. Musical tracks that were missing from mm-hmm. the versions that I've been raised with. So that was my first experience listening to it. And it, it's, you know, again, the unique experience of vinyl. Now I really want to listen to Jagged Little Pill. Well, come over. That one, <laughs> <laughs> that one is a, a special one. I keep that just for my closest friends and a bottle of wine. And yeah, I would I would love for you to hear it. Cause I think Sounds like an invitation that I'm, oh, yeah. I'm gratefully accepting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is happening. Matt, you're more than welcome. Final party, bring yeah. some over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you said something really interesting that there was like a pocket of time where vinyl wasn't really a thing. So, I mean, at, at work and like working in music retail um, for as long as I did in the past, um, we kind of referred to what was going on right now as like the vinyl revival. Like we would talk about like all of these young people were coming in, they were into it again. So what do you guys think that means for like the future of vinyl? Do you think that, do you think people are going to get more and more interested in it or do you think that we're going to see another another change where maybe people are going to lose interest in it? Well, I, I'm not sure if I if I read this wrong, but but I believe vinyl last year, maybe in, in just the United States, was the, the largest selling medium of music. It's higher than digital downloads, even. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was right. But it was. it's definitely the largest physical selling. Like, CDs are, are going downhill. I would believe that. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely, last, last holiday season, mm-hmm. the largest amount of sales that they've seen in, mm-hmm. like, 20 years or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's what we're seeing it's it's been going on now for a number of years and it's increasing sales are increasing um so it's hard to say what the future will bring i do think that we've tried a lot of different formats in music and vinyl seems to be the one that has the most staying power um yeah you know and i, I had an interest the, the cassette is coming back right now the cassette <laughs> the cassette's got a Just little a side note <laughs> i don't know why but apparently yeah. it is yeah um i think again the nostalgia factor right yeah um, and being able to, to hang on to something, you know, a digital is, it doesn't have that same sort of permanency. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have tangibility. It doesn't have durability, really. Um, you change your computer or your computer dies on you. And a lot of times you're losing all the MP3s that you have. Um, you're not losing all your vinyl unless you have, you know, a flood, which hopefully you're keeping your stuff off the ground and that's not happening because that would be the worst day of my life Uh, (laughs) but I I think that I think that that's part of it I think the the fuller sound I think a lot of music fans are realizing that that has the best sound or it provides the best listening experience the most intimate listening experience Um, but yeah if you if you look at the numbers it seems as though this is a trend that is continuing right now Um, Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that that doesn't happen very often that things come back. Yeah, I don't think VHS is coming back anytime soon. <laughs> Why? Why not? Well, I think I think VHS. I have a VHS player and I have many many tapes. Oh my god, you do not. I do. <laughs> I, I just bought one the other day. Don't don't judge me. But <laughs> I am. Like it, it's kind of fun to it's it's nostalgia with VHS. You go in and you pop the pop the tape in. You rewind, try to find you know a certain part of a movie. Like it's not. It's not convenient in any way, but it's fun to go back and do that. I don't think VHS is going to come back in any form, mm-hmm. but I think vinyl is has proven to be probably the best way to listen to music. It's not the easiest way to listen to music. It's probably the, the most difficult. Um, but I think it's it's got staying power. It's It's been around for, what, 
70 years as, as a popular form of listening to music. And I think part of that as well, as we go back to the durability, you know, vinyl is a bit more of an investment. Um, A lot of the vinyl that Matt's talking about that he purchases is used. It's probably been around, I mean, based on some of the stuff you were talking about, a number of years. Um, I had an interesting discussion at XDiscC this year, um, and we were talking about the staying power of vinyl and, and how... A lot of people are hesitant to get into collecting because there's this stigma that vinyl isn't going to last, it's going to get scratched, it's going to get warped or pop, Um, and so people are afraid to purchase it because it is a large purchase, and if it's not going to last, you obviously don't want to invest in that. Um, But at the same time, you look at some of the vinyl that Matt's picking up, and it's like, well, is that true, you know, or mm-hmm. does it last? And a lot of the scratches and the pops and the things that we're hearing in older vinyl, it's because our parents and and their friends were so hard on the vinyl that they had. You know, they had it out at parties. They were all taking turns putting it on. There's beer getting spilled on it. There's people laying on it. Like, <laughs> I mean, they were really rough on it. Um, and I think that that's, you know, it, that's part of why we have this stigma, um, whereas in actual fact it is one of the more durable ways to listen to music so i think like you know if i had a i bought a actually a new release version of Jimi hendrix are you experienced that's cool it's cool but it it has a like has this little tiny scratch on the the first side of uh, purple haze and it's my favorite song but it just screws it up right at the start but it's like you know i paid 25 bucks for it everything else is great on it, it sounds great I'm going to have it for as long as you know my house doesn't get flooded or burned down but um, it's okay, I mean I think you kind of deal with those little uh, like I guess little quirks of vinyl that you know the pops and the having to flip the discs and all take care of them and clean them, I think you just kind of you go with it and, and it's fun to to do that sometimes it's it's fun to actually put put it on the turntable and, and go out and look through the bins at the stores i think that's like it's just fun to collect um and it's it's really addicting i don't know it's, so addicting. it's really bad for, yeah. for our wallets I think. yeah <laughs> a huge thing too that i think is worth noting like you guys are talking about the durability of vinyl um a lot of it too has to do with your player so with this vinyl revival, we've seen a lot of these really cheap players coming into stores that look very trendy. These like hipster suitcase players. I'm not going to drop any brand names, but if you guys know what I'm talking <laughs> about, then you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but these little, yeah, these little suitcase players that look really cool, um, that have really cheap arms and cheap needles that are going to need replacing. They're not going to last you a long time, um, and those don't take care of your records. So if if you're looking to get into vinyl and you don't really know where to start, I mean, I would say, to contradict what both of you said, was that you bought vinyl before you had a record player. But I mean, you have to start with the player and you have to make sure that you have a player that's really going to look after your records and that's going to help those records last as long as you want them to last. Yeah, you need to have a sneeze guard over it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You can't have this open concept. That's not meant to be a permanent player for you absolutely and I I also think you know anything where your vinyl has to hang off partially off the side that's a big no-no because that's got warped written all over Mm -hmm. it right Mm -hmm. so I mean it's great that they look trendy and cool um, but realistically you spend an extra maybe hundred dollars and you're gonna get something that's really gonna look after your stuff well that's when I was when I was selling those record players um, I would tell people like if you have 
a 14 year old that wants to get into vinyl like this is very user friendly and they look cool and if you're just going to be buying like new albums if you're not going to be playing like original pressings on them then sure and if they're only going to own three records then okay buy the 89.99 suitcase player and that's fine but if you're actually looking to turn this into a hobby and if you actually really care about it if you care about the music it it all starts with the player um, and just really do your research. Like, there's so much information out there that you can find about what are the good players. And there are stores that are actually catered to selling really good players um, that have staff that actually know about them. So those are the places that you should be seeking out when you're looking to get into vinyl. I think at least, but, like, who the hell am I? I don't even know. <laughs> well, I think, like, you're spending so much. Like, you can, if you went, went and bought f- four or five new albums, you can spend more than, than one of those cheaper players cost. So I think... You know, you want to have something that's not going to yeah. ruin it and not sound Exactly. Sound Your record crappy. collection is going to be more expensive than the player itself. Yeah. I also don't want to call out any labels by any means, um, but there are some records that when you pick them up, you put them on and you right away can realize that for whatever reason, they've been warped during the mm-hmm. process of pressing. I don't know if because there's this revival, if some of the newer music, um, when it's being pressed, there's not as much care going into it, um, or if something's gone wrong and people aren't noticing, um, feel free to call out the provider of that record and, and say, look, something's wrong with the one that I purchased, because you are spending big money, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that it's important to to make sure that what you're getting for your money is, is worth the experience, worth the money that, that you're putting towards it, so... Um, That doesn't happen often, but it does happen. I've had a few records in the past that when I put them on, have been very wobbly. Yeah. Um, And you can hear it, right? So uh, by all means, take control over that. A lot of times labels are really apologetic. They're really grateful that you've caught it. And I've had labels send me replacements before. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I think it's, it is a process, and I, I think a lot of places are just trying to press, which, again, is an indication that records are becoming more popular again, um, yeah. which is great. But, yeah, be mindful of that. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining me, both of you. You had some really good stuff to say. Um, if you think that Matt Smith left out a record store in his comprehensive guide, feel free to call us out and tweet us at the community ed. We would love to hear from you. Um, and also, you only have a couple more days to read our November issue. It's still available uh, wherever you buy coffee, downtown Kitchener. You should be able to find it. Uh, our new issue, the December issue, is coming out December 6th. So keep an eye out for that on Stands and Online. Thanks, guys, and we'll hear from you soon. TC Radio is a product of the Community Edition, Waterloo Region's Independent Monthly. TC Radio is produced by Alistair McClellan and Kara Lucas. Your host is me, Beth Bowles, the editor in chief of the Community Edition, and our publisher is Lakin Barton. Thanks for listening.